0: We Love Dead things. We Love Dead uh, We Love Dead Things Hi and welcome to We Love Dead Things. I'm Candy. I'm Laura. And today we are discussing aliens. I love aliens. Is yours an abduction one too or no? No. Okay. I'm gonna have to think of a creative name for this one. I can't really think of one. I'll think of one later. UFOs and avocados. UFOs and avocados. Those are my socks. And I have UFOs on my socks. Awesome. So, obviously we're discussing aliens today. And maybe avocados. I will always discuss avocados.
1: I had a glorious avocado like a week ago with the tiniest seed ever.
0: Oh, a dream.
1: It was amazing. There was so much avocado meat.
0: Yeah. Like, I was super stoked. That's like the dream avocado. It was amazing, and it was super ripe. Okay, so do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? I went
1: first last week.
0: Okay, well, we don't usually go by weeks, because I usually just wind up going first anyway. Well, mine is long Okay, yeah, so I should probably go first, because mine's, like, not that long. I was going to do a whole theory about, like, a
1: post I had seen that was, like, nine ways to tell you've been abducted at the end of
0: this but i don't know if
1: we should do that or not
0: oh we can i thought that would be hilarious so mine is on travis walton he was born in 1953 although when i looked on facebook there was not facebook when i looked on google there was like two birthdays for him but the 53 makes sense if he was working by the time he got abducted Just a little past history on him and his family. They were actually really into UFOs and aliens. And his brother actually saw a UFO once. Mm -hmm. So they had a history of being interested in UFOs. When Walton was an adult, he started working with Mike Rogers, who contracted with the United States Forest Service for years. Um, They were working up out of Snowflake, Arizona, In the forest in that area because, yes, Arizona does have forests and it also snows. Snowflake
1: is a beautiful area.
0: I've never been up there. It is
1: gorgeous.
0: I've never been to northern Arizona. Oh, my
1: God. Northern Arizona is another planet.
0: Yeah. It is
1: beautiful. Like, it's still the desert, but, like, ten times better.
0: Yeah. So, on November 5th, 1975, he and his crew were heading back home after finishing work for the day. They saw a bright light that was just beyond a hill. And as they drove closer, they saw the light had a silvery... Was a silvery disc. That was hovering above a small clearing and wobbling side to side. Which, first of all, if I saw a bright light, I would not be fucking driving towards it.
1: I feel like that's a mosquito thing, though. Like, do you remember the movie A Bug's Life? Yeah. And they're, like, showing the mosquito lamp. And the mosquitoes are like, don't go towards the light, Fred. And he's like... I can't help it. It's so beautiful. (laughs) Like, that's people
0: with bright lights. Yeah. Or mosquitoes. I guess so. So then Walton, being super smart, decided that he wanted a closer look at the UFO and got out of the truck and started walking towards it. Me. And everybody is screaming at him like, get back to the truck. And. And he's like looking at the UFO and then he finally turns to walk back and the UFO starts making some really loud noises and a blue green light comes out of the UFO UFO, and like hits Walton and he flies up into the air and then it like shoots him off like 10 feet And he falls to the ground. And everybody else in the truck is like, let's get the fuck out of here. Wasn't his dog in the truck? I can't remember. I think there was a dog. But I just remember, like, everybody was like, get the fuck out of here. And they left him there. Mm -hmm. And then an hour later, from a nearby town, they wind up calling the police about a missing worker. They don't mention the abduction on the phone but when Deputy Sheriff Chuck Elson met them at the shopping center they had been distraught and told him about the UFO abduction. Obviously the police were a little skeptic on what happened but they knew they had to search for Walton because it was middle of winter in Snowflake, Arizona and it gets really cold and you can die at night if you're out there yeah it gets below
1: freezing temperatures um i've been up there when it gets to like literally like 5 degrees fahrenheit which is like what negative 15 celsius or something like that
0: i don't know i don't I think it might actually
1: be more than that
0: i don't know the conversion for fahrenheit to celsius
1: i'm still trying to understand standard or what is it metric to standard
0: yeah so the police searched the area and they found no evidence of a ufo and at this point they were actually wondering if this story was made up to cover a bigger crime which would be homicide yeah on november 10th all of the workers wound up taking polygraph tests and these tests proved that they were telling the truth because they asked them like did anybody hurt Walton? And they said no. And does anybody know where his body is? And they said no. And then they asked if he was, if they saw UFOs and they all said yes. And all of like, there was no false on any of that. So. And this all happened before
1: the time that people were studying how to lie to a de- lie detector.
0: Yeah. Cause this was before Google. Yeah. So like it would be pretty easy long before google yeah they've proven it's easy to lie and it was before al gore invented the internet dude (laughs) it
1: wasn't al gore it was donald trump no it was al gore it's totally donald trump
0: girl history of internet memes al gore created
1: the internet history of (laughs) i saw something stupid online once and they said donald trump created everything
0: Yeah, no, the Al Gore one's been going around for a long time. (laughs) I don't actually pay too much attention to political memes,
1: except for the Joe Biden memes. Yeah, I love those Those were amazing.
0: What happened to Walton on the UFO was basically he passed out when the light hit him and woke up in a reclining medical bed. A bright light was shining in his face and he was having trouble breathing and he was in a lot of pain why are you smiling like that
1: it makes me think of that scene in supernatural when they meet the genie
0: and the genie is putting into people's heads the alien abduction okay and they danced that one song okay so at first he thought he was in the hospital and as he started to get more like he was in his brain and thinking more he noticed that he was surrounded by three figures wearing orange jumpsuits They were shorter than five feet, bald with domed large heads and large eyes. Obviously, the typical gray alien. At this time, Walton's fight or flight kicked in and he wound up getting up, shouting at the creatures and grabbing a nearby glass cylinder and waving it at the aliens. And the aliens left the room. So Walton left the room as well. (laughs) Finding himself in a circular room with a chair, he sat down on the chair and noticed that it had like controls and like a little panel and stuff like that. So he starts messing with it and these lights appear and he thinks they look kind of like stars. Then he's like, well, maybe I shouldn't fuck with this and gets up and turns around and there's this dude standing there or it looks like a dude, but a little bit different wearing a helmet. So, because it looks like a dude, he's like, what's up, man, trying to ask it questions. The humanoid figure didn't answer back to him and just motioned for him to follow it. So, he followed it and it led him to, like, this hangar area where he saw the UFO that abducted him. He saw a couple more human-like figures and tried to talk to them, but they didn't talk back either. The dude... Led Walton to a table where he sat down and they put a mask over his head. Like a breathing mask. And then he passed out.
1: Yeah, because they gave him freaking anesthesia.
0: Yeah. And then he woke up thinking like he woke up in the town where they had called the police from the workers. He thought it only been a couple hours. So he goes to the phone and calls his brother. But it had been five days. And it was all over the news and all that stuff. So they like rush to get him and they take him to the hospital and he gets checked out. Then later on, he agrees to take a polygraph test, which wound up being really controversial because he actually failed the polygraph test. But they also asked him a bunch of questions at first about his past, like a couple past histories with the run-ins with police, not like, too terrible but obviously something that makes you nervous when the police are polygraphing Mm -hmm. you the polygraph is questioned because everybody else passed but he failed that's a big controversy and i also agree like get the side where it's like they asked him a bunch of questions that made him really nervous so obviously your heart rate's going to be up more and stuff like that which i think would mess with the polygraph test it does I so, have
1: anxiety. Hook me. Just thinking about a polygraph test makes my heart rate go up.
0: Philip Class, a UFO debunker, later asserted that he believed that the story was made up because Mike Rogers, who was the owner of the construction business, was unable to complete his contract with the U.S. Forest Service. And this event would make the contract obsolete, basically, mm-hmm. where he wouldn't have to finish it because something happened. That's a little bit iffy because there's the company like stated like it wasn't as bad as class is making it out to be, but who knows? Afterwards, Walton published a book called The Walton Experience and he also hosts a UFO convention and goes to other ones. Walton's book was later abda- ab- abducted, adapted to film and the film is called Fire in the Sky. I didn't go into huge details. That's all I have. Yeah. I didn't go into huge details with this one because it's a very common one. But it's also one of my favorite abduction stories because it's like you got the co-workers and, you know, stuff like that. And he does what I would totally do if I saw a UFO, which is walk towards it because right. I'm fucking dumb. So it's kind of like a fan fiction on what would happen if I saw an alien. It's basically us, but a dude.
1: Yeah. Actually, the whole part where it's like he woke up and he goes into another area, like he is confrontational and then goes off into another area, makes me think of X-Men. Because, like, literally you're saying that, and I'm picturing Wolverine physically assault Jean Grey and then run off down a hall. When
0: did that happen?
1: In the first X-Men movie, after they save Logan and Rogue... Because of the truck flips. Oh, okay. And that's the first time they go to Xavier's mansion. Yeah, okay. And, like, Jean Grey is running experiments on him because he's fucking amazing and super sexy. But mostly because he's an anomaly even to... The X-Men? Mutants. Yeah. There we go. Because, you know, he's, like, super young, but they can't tell if he's actually super young because, like, he looked like he might have been 40, but in reality, Wolverine was, like, 200 years old. Yeah. Older. He was super old. He found the Revolutionary War.
0: Yeah. He was way old. Yeah.
1: He wasn't even born on this continent. How did he get here again?
0: I can't remember. I know they talk about it. They do.
1: In Wolverine. Okay,
0: we're spiraling. Oh, I can spiral more I can about- spiral all day. X-Men I have is a, my favorite. <laughs> I have a theory about the Logan movie, so if you want to know, hit me up. Oh my God, I could talk all day about Logan. I could talk all day about Hugh Jackman. Yeah. The fact that he was Logan just makes
1: him better. Yeah. Wolverine is my favorite X-Men. Not to be stereotypical, I liked Logan before X-Men was a live-action movie with Hugh Jackman.
0: You should probably go into your story before I I keep going. I probably
1: should. I could talk about Marvel all day. So originally, I was going to do the Twilly Papyrus, which I remember hearing about when I was really young. This guy and his brother, they both worked for the Vatican. He was a Vatican museum director, and I want to say his brother was a priest. They'd gone to Egypt and they found some old papyrus that they weren't sure what it was. So they copied it down, they took it to get it translated, and it was actually a ancient script of a pharaoh who saw a UFO and he recorded it. So I was like, oh that's super chill. That's super cool. But basically every little bit of research I found on that was did it really happen? Did he really find this? Did he make it up? So I'm like, okay, fuck this. There's not enough information. And then I was contemplating doing the story you did. But then I'm like, nah, I already did a story on Arizona. So I decided not to do a story on Arizona. So I dove back a little bit farther in time from your story, but not quite as far back as the Thule story. And I am going back to 1947 when a World War II Air Force pilot named George Gorman, that's a really awkward name for me to pronounce, I'm sorry, was involved in what he calls a dogfight with a UFO over Fargo, North Dakota. Okay. It's pretty cool sounding, right? Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. So the whole thing only lasted like 27 minutes, less than half an hour, from like him radioing to air traffic control, to him landing, 27 minutes. The investigator for Project Blue Book says that to this day, this is a classic story for him. This is one of the most, one of the first stories he thinks of when he talks about investigations they have done on unidentified flying objects. Gorman had done an interview with a newspaper in 1948 and he says that this was unlike anything he had ever seen because the night of the incident, he was flying alongside other airmen coming in from a cross-country exercise. The other pilots landed at the Fargo Hector Airport, but Gorman decided he was going to get some extra night fly hours in because it was a really clear night. So around 9 p.m., Gorman was done with his extra flying time and he was radioing back into air traffic control that he was coming to land. They let him know that the only other aircraft in the area other than his P-51 was that of a Piper Club. Well, he looked down about 500 feet. That's where he saw the other aircraft. But as he saw this, he saw what he described as the taillight of another plane come in on his right side. Air traffic control had no clue what he was talking about. There was nothing on the radar. At least on the radar, they had nothing, I should say. He wanted to get a little bit closer of a look. So he decides that he's going to follow the light. And he gets in within a thousand feet of the a thousand yards. I'm sorry from this craft. He says it was six to eight inches in diameter, clear white, and completely without any fuzz around the edges. It was blinking off and on as I approached. However, the light suddenly became steadied and pulled into a sharp left bank. I thought it was making a pass at the tower. Just as Gorman was getting ready to continue towards the craft, it just comes towards him. It turns sharply around and flies directly for his P-51. Just as they're about to collide, he dives. Cause he's trying to avoid a crash like he's not about to get hit he said just as the light passed over him again maybe about 500 feet it cut back into his direction and started flying at him again so this time he's like we're gonna collide he, he's thinking constantly they're gonna crash they're gonna crash just as the light is coming towards him though it shoots up straight into the air and he follows it at a straight incline He climbs about 14,000 feet before his P-51 stalls out. After all of this happens, he straightens himself out. He can't find it. He doesn't know where it is. And that is literally the end of the incident itself. He says that it was nowhere to be seen. Nobody on the ground saw it again. He says, you know, the time between the maneuvers is about 27 minutes, give or take. He's saying from when he radioed in to the time he landed. and and sworn statement to his commander, Gorman, states, I am convinced there was a definite thought behind its maneuvers. I am further convinced that the object was governed by the laws of inertia because its acceleration was rapid but not immediate, and although it was able to turn fairly lightly, fairly tight, at considerable speed, it still followed a natural curve. Gorman himself reached a speed of 400 miles an hour, and he wasn't able to keep up with this light. The crazy thing about it, as well as him not being able to keep up with it, it didn't leave an exhaust trail. Going that fast, you should have been able to hear it. Yeah. Nothing. There also wasn't any smell. Like when you're that close to something, you should be able to smell the, cam- like the, the fuel burn. So he says that he blacked out due to the speed of him turning. Also, climbing at a severe incline isn't going to help any. Yeah. I would pass out, too. He states, I am in fairly good physical condition, and I do not believe that there are many, if any, pilots who could withstand the turn and speed affected by the object and remain conscious. The object was not only able to outturn and outspeed my aircraft, but was able to attain a far steeper climb and was able to maintain a constant rate of climb far in excess of my aircraft. So that is the end of his statement. There were some witnesses. The men in air traffic control, Lloyd Jensen and H.E. Johnson, both had quotes. Johnson stated seeing the Piper Club and the UFO at the same time. He said the object was traveling at a high rate of speed and was fast enough to increase the spacing between itself and Gorman's fighter. Johnson described the object as Gorman had just a round light, no fuzzy edges. There were no rays of light leaving its body. So they must have better eyesight. Some people can see light without seeing little things. Yeah. Some people don't. The Piper Club pilot, Dr. A.E. Cannon, and his passengers say they also saw the craft, both while in the sky and also after they arrived at the airport where they had joined the air traffic controllers. Cannon said it moved swiftly, faster than the 51 had. Two Civil Aeronautics Authority employees on the ground also reported seeing it. And Dr. Travis Taylor stated that any craft going that fast would have been apparent to Gorman. He says that when Chuck Yeager, who earlier that year flew at record-breaking speeds, even breaking the sound barrier in a Bell x one stated a craft going that fast would have been obvious to a p-51 pilot he would have known he was looking at so obviously he wasn't seeing a military vehicle yeah because what that guy said this is literally like not exactly copy and paste i paraphrased but this is what i got out of the article yeah so i'm like okay so you're saying he would see a vehicle flying this fast he should know what it is he's saying it's just a ball of light so clearly it's not anything the military had in 1947
0: that's still something that the military wouldn't have now if Mm -hmm. it was just a ball of light
1: nothing moves that fast
0: yet yeah except for my
1: kid when she has something she's not supposed to (laughs) then she's just a flash of blonde eventually investigators from project sign which would later be project grudge and eventually project blue book came to fargo Counter-measurements of Gorman's plane revealed heightened radioactivity, which was later explained as a side effect of going sup- like super high altitudes. They're wondering, though, was he crazy, or did he actually come in contact with aliens? Considering there were a bunch of witnesses, we really don't know, and then people were stating, Gorman was found to be a credible witness himself. He never gave the impression of being a dreamer. He wasn't much of a reader, which apparently makes you a dreamer, so I'm a little offended by that because I'm a reader. He was more interested in outdoor activities like hunting and fishing. So basically, he's my dad. He wasn't much of a drinker either. He didn't do drugs unless you count smoking cigarettes. So he wasn't under the influence during the time of the incident. He was just a serious dude, probably not the kind to make that story up. That is the end of the article. There was. An additional article linked to it. I got this from the History
0: Channel website. Can I make a comment on the nicotine, though? Yes. Because nicotine can totally make you do crazy things if you have way too much. Or
1: if you don't have enough. Yeah. The hallucinations. I don't know.
0: But, like, I also want to comment on the fact that they were talking about how he, he wouldn't make that story up, blah, blah, blah. Have you seen a lot of these UFO people, like some of them are farmers that you would never believe would make this stuff up or like airplane pilots that you would think would never make this stuff up and they've been proven to have made this stuff up Mm -hmm. so you can't just sit there and be like that person will never make it up i would make a ufo up if it got me a lot of money right now man
1: well and it's the 40s they go based on character and what you feel what you see in a person He was a lieutenant in the Air Force. They're going to give him a little bit of credibility, especially considering he was only 25.
0: I would have made that up at 25. I would make that up at 29. Yeah. I'm totally
1: a lieutenant in the Air Force. (laughs) And I saw an alien last week.
0: Yeah, I
1: saw one on my way over here. See? 99% sure I saw a gray walking in the mist. Well, that's basically the end of my story. Um, There was a conspiracy theory That this could have been part of Cold War testing, but that is a different story. So if we do an episode on conspiracy theories, we can delve back into George Gorman and his UFO. Okay. But I did find an article, and I totally got it wrong. Sorry, what I was saying. It wasn't traits to tell you were abducted by aliens. It was five traits that could get you abducted by aliens.
0: Now I have to know this.
1: Yes. Like goals, mostly if it's David Tennant and a little blue box.
0: Yes, or Matt Smith. Mm-hmm. I still like Matt Smith. Oh, not
1: dislike Matt Smith. I just think David Tennant's prettier.
0: Chris eccleson
1: He was hot.
0: Yeah, he could kidnap me anytime. Man. Thor, anytime. Chris Chris Hemsworth, anytime you want me, I'm here. I'll take Loki. Obviously, I like the tall, skinny guys. Okay. Tell me these traits. So,
1: regularly experiencing sleep paralysis and hallucinations when awakening, many people have reported alien abductions suffer episodes of early morning sleep paralysis. On awakening from this paralysis, their terror gives rise to hallucinations of flashing lights and buzzing sounds. Some experience feelings of floating around the room or seeing figures in the room.
0: I don't have that.
1: I, I suffer from sleep paralysis quite often, actually. While many people po- interpret these post sleep paralysis experiences as dreaming, some people inter- interpret these experiences as seeing figures, ghosts, or aliens. So the little hunchback dude that I see shuffling down my hall isn't just a fig- figment of my imagination, it's an alien. But it doesn't want me, it wants my boyfriend. Okay, what's the next one? Okay, so number two. Tendency to recall false memories. An elegant set of experimental studies, McNally and colleagues found that individuals who claim to have been abducted by aliens were prone to what is known as false memory syndrome. That is, alien abductees regularly claim to recall words, items, sentences, etc., and memory tests that they had never actually seen before. If this false memory effect can be generalized to autobiographical memories, then individuals who claim to have been abducted by aliens would be twice as likely to falsely remember things that had never happened to them than would non abductees
0: So the false memory thing is actually a huge issue in the world. A lot of people, like believe in recovering hidden memories or repressed memories or stuff like that and a lot of the time that can lead to false memories being put in you yes people do repress memories it does happen all the time i know people who've experienced that yeah but there's also like a lot of people who create false memories thinking they're repressed Memories and it becomes a huge issue. Like, I know there's this sheriff that was perfectly fine, no issues. And then his daughter went to like see a therapist who believed in repressed memories and did all this stuff to try to get her to remember all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And basically, like, started this whole huge controversy about the sheriff being like in some kind of like pagan cult and stuff like that and then the therapist saw the sheriff and then like it was this whole huge thing and there was no facts behind it nothing Mm -hmm. you know like it never happened nobody ever like you know stuff like that but it created this whole huge thing and this huge problem from no reason.
1: Hmm, Sounds a lot like Casey Anthony's story of abuse from her father that popped up just in time to get her extra time during her sentencing hearings.
0: That wasn't a false memory. That was a liar. Yes. Anyway, number three, high levels
1: of absorption. Alien abductees also score significantly higher than most people on the mental characteristic known as absorption. This is a trait related to fantasy proneness, vivid imagery, and susceptibility to hypnosis and subjection. Suggestion. Because of this, it's probably not surprising that many alien abductees recall their experiences under hypnosis, where memories of abduction can be induced through suggestibility, especially if the person leading the hypnosis session asks particularly leading questions about the abduction. So I'm not prone to that. I've tried being hypnotized to help me quit smoking. It didn't work. I fell
0: asleep. I have never tried to be hypnotized, and I would never want to try to be hypnotized because I would rather be in my right state of mind instead of having somebody be able to suggest for me to do things.
1: Yeah, like when somebody says a certain sound and you cluck like a duck or two key words and you go and murder your next-door neighbor.
0: If I want to fucking cluck like a duck, then I will cluck like a duck. I do not need somebody (laughs) to suggest for me to do that. I actually squawk like a chicken regularly so
1: (laughs) for the own fun of making weird noises
0: I do too but that's because that is my choice yes that we know of it is my choice
1: I know I do it on purpose so number four new age beliefs I new agey anything just
0: Mm. I have
1: a love-hate relationship with new age stuff
0: I like new age things that aren't hipster new age things. Yes.
1: Except for horoscopes. Don't get me started on horoscopes. I am a very firm non-believer in horoscopes. I'm not going to poo on somebody who believes, but like I am a very strong non-believer in horoscopes.
0: I like to let a certain person who believes in them think that I am listening to them. Being whisked up into spaceships by tractor beams
1: or light sources is not something that happens every day. It's totally happening all the time.
0: It happens once in your lifetime you will be abducted by an alien, of you guys. Of course, it has to.
1: Nor is it something that is easily explainable within our existing knowledge of physics. Similarly, being subjected to imaginative medical procedures requires a tendency to accept unusual and
0: non-mainstream ideas. Hmm... I'm a little iffy on this one just because there's some things in there like the, like, not physically possible type thing. Obviously, like, science is advancing and we're finding a lot of things out and stuff like that. So, it probably is entirely possible. We just don't know yet. Well, if they
1: have a strong enough magnet, at one point I had enough piercings that they could suck me up
0: and stick me to the magnet. Uh,
1: (laughs) I used to have a lot of piercings.
0: No, because I would, like, try to, like... It wouldn't suck you up, but you would definitely be going to the hospital if they tried. (laughs) This
1: is also a trait possessed by alien abductees. They score highly on measures of magical ideation and endorse new age ideas that encompass beliefs about alternative medicines and healing, astrology, and fortune telling. Such beliefs would certainly allow the individual to accept things happening to them that would be dismissed by existing scientific knowledge. I very much love alternative medicines, Yeah, alternative healing. I was a massage therapist for several years. One of my teachers is a Reiki master. Um, Two of my teachers actually were Reiki masters, although one was also a registered nurse, and her husband is a physician. That stuff, like, is real. And the lady who's a registered nurse grew up in Africa where they do alternative forms of medicine, and she's witnessed the amazing powers of alternative
0: medicine. I want to air quote alternative medicine because modern medicine was is new. And Western medicine? Yes, it's new, and all those alternative methods... Are more traditional. Are, yeah, have been around for a while. A long while. And finally,
1: a familiarity with the cultural narrative of alien abduction. As a cultural phenomenon... Alien abduction has entered folklore and the images and descriptions of aliens and their spacecraft have become familiar to many people. We are two of them. Yes. Alien abductees tend to be very familiar with this cultural narrative, which is one possible reason why their descriptions of aliens and their spaceships are so familiar. Being fueled as they are by sci-fi films, numerous books about aliens and alien abduction. Let's not forget the 53-year-old super popular TV show that is on your hat. Yep. Doctor Who. And my keychain. So, this Professor McNally, oh, I forgot to state that this is a study done by a guy named Professor McNally, points out in a very readable review of his studies on alien abduction, it is still unclear whether all these characteristics are necessary ingredients for, in the recipe for an alien abduction or whether some are more necessary than others. Other researchers have also identified further traits than that appear to be the carrier characteristic of alien abductees, such as paranoid thinking and weak sexual identity. I'm just going to stop there because I'm going to continue reading for like three hours.
0: Wait, weak sexual identity? People who don't know what their sexual preference is at
1: the moment are still trying to discover what their sexual identity is. They're
0: most likely to get abducted?
1: That makes a lot of sense. I consider myself pansexual, so be me up. <laughs> I'm ready. You're like, let's go. Not right now because <laughs> I need to put on real pants. I'm wearing shorts that are considerably shorter than my sweatshirt.
0: I don't think the alien really cares what you're wearing.
1: I care. I don't need my butt cheeks hanging out for the UFOs.
0: I mean, at that point, I'm not even going to care if I was naked. (laughs) It's not like they're human, so.
1: My whole thing is, if the Grays
0: don't slow dance to
1: Lady in Red, and then the Winchesters don't save me, I'm going to be really upset.
0: Yeah, I don't think that's happening. It
1: needs to happen. I need some salmon.
0: (laughs) Bye. Thank you guys for listening to We Love Dead Things. Please review us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on iTunes. any pod catch catcher you use and share us with your friends share us with your family share us with the person down the street that you haven't talked to before let them know how weird you are and honestly guys we appreciate you so much so thank you for being you